Chapter 27 Seeking a Tube Next few days, we brave it. We go down to the construction sites, creep along the yards, watch out for the apple chuckers. We come back with two five-gallon buckets. Little bit cracked, picked those from the dumpsters. We don't need any trouble about trespassing or stealing. We turn the buckets upside down inside the root cellar. There's something to sit on. So we have our place. It is away from Shailene, away from speeding lacrosse balls and apples and swatting sticks. We sit. I don't say it, but I think about the tree fort. The leaves, the limbs, the breezes. Miss those in the root cellar. I liked the work of getting in here. Sweeping it down was fun, but there's not so much to do. And it's still pretty dark. Don't you know, that's when Calvin says, Mason, I have an idea. He brings up a picture on his tablet. Shows me a tube stuck in the ceiling of a house. Looks like there is light on ins- uh, inside it. He says, do you get it? It's a light shaft. It collects light at the top from outdoors and brings it all the way into the room below. I say, what? How? Then I say, you want to put one of those in here? He says, yes, we can make one. He points up over our heads. He says, we'll put it right through there. I look up at the old boards and wonder about the whole thing. Calvin says, I've been thinking about this a lot. I know how to approach it. We're going to need some parts, and I think I know where to get them. I say, where? The construction sites? Calvin Chomsky nods his white head. So we go, and we search around the dumpster some more. Calvin holds up a piece of plastic pipe like they use for plumbing. We need something like this, he says, only bigger. He makes a wide circle with his arms, like he's hugging someone round and invisible. I say, I don't know a reason for plumbing pipes to be that big. What you're showing me is way bigger than the flushing hole of a toilet, Calvin. Calvin asks me, but have you seen if any of these new houses have raised decks or screened porches? Yeah, sure. Number 14 and 18, Crispin Drive. Does anybody live there? I say, not yet. Calvin says, good. Dumpster time. Turns out Calvin is after one of those big cardboard tubes, the kind for making a column of concrete, like what the porches and decks sit on. So we check dumpsters. We crawl below the porches at numbers 14 and 18 Crispin Drive. No luck. We walk through two new sites on Macintosh Circle on the way home. That's where we see something. Calvin and I run straight to it. There are words on the side. Calvin reads it. Sonotube form. But it has been sliced open. Calvin says, close, but that won't do. He says, it's not long enough anyway. He says, if I calculated right, we need about six feet. I say, six whole feet? I make big eyes at him. What? That's more than me. I can't see us having any luck finding that. Almost as soon as I say those words, we do have luck. Right close to home. We are two doors down from Matt Drinker's house, and we see a new foundation is in. 
Six cement columns stick up from the ground like they are waiting for someone to land on them. Calvin and I sort through a lot of torn up sonotube remains. Remains. That's what Calvin calls the fat curls of cardboard. And then one, just one, nice long tube. It is the fattest of all, and it's whole. We lift it. It's not heavy, but it is awkward. Part of that is because Calvin is at one end and I'm at the other. One short, one tall. This is not so good for balance. We got some swing and stumble going there. Truth is, I could put this tube on my shoulder with Calvin inside of it and make the climb home just as fast. But the way I feel about it is this. The tube is Calvin's find. It's his prize. And there's great glory in carrying home a prize. But it's too long and rolly for Calvin to manage alone. He needs my help. So here I am, dragging Calvin at the end of a sonotube form. I'm thinking a little bit about glory, a little bit about how far we have to go. I hear Calvin say something. I stop, look back at him. I say, what? He says, I said, uh-oh. Then I see Matt Drinker and Lance Pearson taking long steps right at us. And Corey McSpirit is coming along behind them. Hey, but- butthole fetus face, Matt says. Leave that. It's mine. I have a plan. I'm going to saw that up and hang the hoops for accuracy practice. I get what he's saying. He wants targets for lacrosse. It would be pretty fun to shoot balls through the circles. I say, if you're going to cut it up, can't you just use a few shorter ones? Can, but I won't. That big one is mine. Calvin says, well, wait a second. How good are you? Matt says, what are you talking about? Over there, to one side, quiet Corey McSpirit is smiling. He speaks up. He says, that's a fair question. Calvin says, The greater test of accuracy comes with the smallest opening. Am I right? I see Corey nodding his head. Calvin says it again. So, how good are you? Matt Drinker goes all red in the face. He says, what do you know? You don't even play. Calvin says, me? Heck no. I'd stink at that game. But I'm asking you. Sure, you can send a ball through a 12 or 14 incher. Easy. But what about that 8 over there? He points at the smaller tubes. Matt says, No way. I know what I want. He takes a step closer. I say, Come on, Matt. I point back toward the foundation. There are plenty of tubes. I can get them for you. I can cut them. Nope. That one is mine. He points. Calvin says, How do you figure? Why is this one yours? Because, pygmy boy, it's closer to my house than to anyone else's. Calvin shakes his head. He says, that's incomprehensible. I see Calvin thinking. He tells Matt, how about this? It's yours, if you can knock me off of it. About a hundred holy cows go mooing inside my head. No! But don't you know it? Calvin dives onto that tube, pins it to the ground. He wraps his arms and legs around it. He locks his hands together, hooks his ankles, tucks his chin, closes his eyes. Calvin Chomsky is not going to let go of that tube. Chapter 28. The Fight for the Tube. 
I look at Calvin all attached to the sauna tube. Makes me think, sometimes Uncle Drum watches sports. Basketball, soccer, or football. Of course, he has to get the TV from Shailene now, and that isn't easy. But what I am thinking about right now is who wins. Sometimes there's a better team, but sometimes there's a team that wants it more. Matt Drinker lands on Calvin like a chest of drawers. Lance Pearson hollers, crush him, Matty, crush him. What a scramble. We got scuffling. We got pulling and clawing. We got Calvin grunting under the weight of Matt. I'm not one to let somebody pound on my best friend's scrawny back. I cannot stand to let him rip him out of his shirt or dig his nails into his bare skin like he is doing. So I go over and drag Matt off Calvin. Matt turns and thumps a few punches on me, tells me, quit touching me, sweaty hog. Calvin says, let him at me, Mason. I can do it. And he clamps his skinny self to that tube all the harder. Matt grabs Calvin's shirt, pulls that all out of shape. Both guys groaning, struggling. Lance Pearson eggs Matt on. Corey McSpirit stands to the side, keeps just one eye on the fight. Sick look on his face. I'm not good at figuring that dude out. But then Corey says it, kind of sharp. Let him have the tube, Matt. One side of his lip curls up. Corey says, we'll use the other ones. But Matt is deaf to him. And then I feel like Corey is the same as me. I don't mean he's big with sweat pouring off him. Not that. I mean, he doesn't like this scene. And we both know Matt won't quit. I turn to root for Calvin. And gosh, he holds on. But I see his fingertips slip, slip, slipping. And I watch. And I watch with my two fists full of sweat. Blam! A car horn blasts. Blam! I look and see the drinker's van rock to a full stop. Mrs. Drinker puts her head out the window. Maddie! Maddie, let go of that little boy. Let go right now. She gets out of the van. Matt lets go of Calvin. Mrs. Drinker takes giant steps across the roughed-out driveway of the building lot. She hollers for Matt, Lance, and Corey McSpirit to get into her car. Matt hollers back. He says, all right, all right. But you don't have to drive us. We can walk it. It's only two doors down. But Mrs. Drinker will not have that. She says, you will get in the car. Finally, he does. After Corey, after Lance, the door is the slow slide kind. Lance has time. He leans up shows me his middle finger before the door seals them in. Mrs. Drinker stays. She kneels down by Calvin, taps on his arm. She says, are you all right? She lays it over and over again. I hear him saying, yep, yep, little mouse sounds. The bigger ones, he says, I'm fine, just resting. It was a friendly contest, seriously, I'm fine. When she believes him, it's kind of funny because Calvin is still wrapped around that tube, like he's glued on there. I tell Mrs. Drinker, if he says fine, he really is fine. I hope I'm right. Mrs. Drinker goes back to the car. She takes Matt and his friends two doors down to the drinker's house. The garage door opens and swallows them up. I get down in the dust beside my friend. I say, Calvin, hey there. You really all right? I tip my head down to see his face. 
dirty, muddy rings around his nose holes. He is a bit scratched up. He stops holding the tube so tight. Soon, I think he is just lying on it. His eyes slide sideways to look right at mine. Smile opens across his face. Calvin says, Mason, the tube is ours. And he starts to laugh. We pick the tube up again, swing and stumble. We have some good glory. We carry home that prize. Chapter 29. Sand and Paint. Saturday morning, Calvin brings paint, leftovers from their new house and the upper development. He comes down John Gold Path dragging two buckets on the road. Looks like his pencil arms will pull out of their sockets. I go to help. I say, Calvin, you're scraping a trail. He grunts. Would you take the buckets? I do, but he still looks pretty weighed down. Still huffs and puffs. That's due to his heavy backpack. He tells me he has a bag of sand in there. Pretty soon, we're in the root cellar. Flashlight shining. We are mixing that sand into the paint. It's a recipe Calvin learned off his tablet. The stirring feels good. Sand into the pale paint. We take turns to mix it. Then we start with two old brushes from our shed. We stroke the paint onto the root cellar walls. Thick and spready. It is the perfect thing. When I brush it on the wall, I say, ah. Then Calvin says, ah, because this is perfect caves of Lascaux paint. We work for a while until Calvin drops his brush. He says, ugh. He makes a puking face. He says, Mason, we have to ventilate or we're going to die in here. I get it. Ventilate is about two things. The paint is smelly and it needs air to dry. I set down my bucket and brush, rub my sweaty hands on my pants. I say, we're going to have to open that door, huh? Calvin shakes his head. He says, no way are we giving up our location. If they find out we're here, it'll ruin everything. He looks at me straight on. He says, let's never give up the root cellar, Mason. Not for anything. Tell no one. That is a dead serious look on Calvin. Maybe because he feels like puke. So I say, I won't, I promise. Then I tell Calvin, I have an idea. The idea is this. We have the old tractor and it runs, sometimes. So I take Calvin up beside the shed where the tractor stays. Key is always in it. I hop up, give it a start. That engine backfires first. A poof of stink sends Calvin running backward, holding his nose. But now I know it'll run pretty great as long as it has fuel. Turns out it doesn't have much. Or could be the gauge is off, but I set down the throttle. Start driving it down to the dip. I'm laughing because Calvin is jumping up and down, running alongside to cheer me on. The tractor sputters and bucks. I tell it, come on, come on, giddy up. It goes and goes, rolls, and stalls out of the root cellar door. I ask Calvin if that will be all right. He says, perfect, but I don't know. The tractor is not that tall. But what Calvin thinks is this. The tractor is a distraction, something to look at instead of looking at the door. And the door is open only about halfway anyway. 
and it's still under the cover of brambles. So, okay. There's air for Calvin. He stops feeling sick. Dip after dip, I load my brush the way Benny Kilmartin's dad, Andy, showed me. But this is a different kind of paint job. Dirt from the walls mixes in. Makes it look even more like the caves of Lascaux on Calvin's tablet. On we go. Load, stroke, and spread. Load, stroke, and spread. I work high, Calvin works low. Easier for me to put paint across the ceiling. I'm way taller. I watch out for the beams. Don't need another bump on the head. I paint and paint. I think this. If I could do nothing else for the next 100 hours, I would be happy. But for sure, we will finish up faster than that. The root cellar is not so big. Calvin says, The recesses in the root cellar walls are like the chambers. The real caves of Lascaux had a good number of them. There was the Great Hall of the Bulls, and the Chamber of Felines, and the Shaft of the Dead Man. Calvin knows them all. He has an idea about us burning sticks to make charcoal. He says we can draw animals on the walls. I listen to him. A thought comes to my brain. We are making something awesome right on the property of the old Buttle Farm. Adding something instead of subtracting. First time in a long time for that. Unless you count Uncle Drum adding Shailene, and I would not. Shailene, with her shopping channel, Chai Pets, Aunt Chia Pets, and her flying saucer salad bowl, all still on the boxes. Calvin and I finish painting the last patch of wall. We sit down on our five-gallon bucket chairs, pick paint off our hands. We look around us, clean, pale walls. I say, it sure is different now. Transformed, says Calvin. I say, so, hey, what about that sauna tube? Turns out Calvin has special paint for that. It's not just pale, it's white, all white. He tells me, the inside of the tube absolutely has to be a light color, reflective, so it gives back the light. See how the brown of the cardboard is dark? Well, that is absorptive. It eats the light up. I like the way he explains it. I get it. Calvin reaches inside one end of the tube with his brush, and I reach inside the other end with mine. I get my arm in deep, up to the shoulder. Calvin, too. Not so easy painting where you can't see, but it is funny. Calvin tells me, you just painted my hand, Mason, and you keep twisting the tube. I say, yeah, well... How do you like my caves of Lascaux knuckles? I pull my arm out of the tube to show him. He says, now your hands almost match your head. I touch my head. Feels like plaster, but it is the sand paint from working on the ceiling. I say, looks like I dipped on, looks like I dripped on your head today too. Calvin says, yes, that feels like bird turds. I say, looks like them too. So we laugh while we paint that hole inside of the tube. Me trying to roll it one way, Calvin trying to roll it the other. Then finally, he says, there, I think we're done. I pull my arm out of the tube. Feels like pulling my whole self out. Got a cramp in my shoulder. I use my shirt to wipe my face. I say, whew, what a job. <clears throat> Calvin says, okay, so much for the easy part. I make some wide eyes at Calvin. 
I wonder what's coming next.